Losing Weight to Gain Control. Today's episode, Taking Care of Your Health During the COVID-19 Crisis. Welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. And in today's podcast, we have a special guest. We have returning Dr. John A. Chuback, who was on the podcast a few months ago. And Dr. Chuback is a board-certified general surgeon and cardiovascular surgeon, and he received his MD from Rutgers University and has been in private practice for 16 years. Dr. Chubak is also a successful entrepreneur. He's the founder and CFO or Chief Medical Officer at Chubak Medical Group. And he also founded Chubak Education, which offers audio programs on subjects like weight management, smoking cessation, personal development, and academic achievement. In today's episode, Dr. Chuback and I discuss how you can take care of yourself during the COVID-19 crisis that is taking over, that has touched everybody in the world. And a lot of what we talked about in this episode are things that will help you, not just during the situation, but will help you to lay a foundation to build upon, to take care of yourself, and to do well in your life. So here is today's episode with Dr. John A. Chuback. Okay, welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. And we have a guest with us today. And actually, he was just on the podcast a few months ago. And that's Dr. John Chuback. So welcome back, John. Thanks for having me, Gwen. It's great to be here. Now, I've introduced you before, but do you want to remind our listeners just a little bit of what you do and and, uh, maybe about any books you've written or anything like that? Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, my background, I'm a medical doctor. I went to medical school here in New Jersey where I practice and uh, went on to train in general surgery and cardiovascular surgery. First six years or so I was in practice, I did only open heart surgery. And then I had a career change and went into office-based varicose vein work and venous disease work. And that change in my career led me to a lot of introspection and study about personal development and lifestyle change and so on and so forth. And over years of studying that kind of material, I eventually felt I had something to add to that conversation and I got into the field of personal development and personal growth myself and have written a couple of books. The most recent one is called Make Your Own Damn Cheese, which was in a way a follow-up to Spencer Johnson's famous book, Who Moved My Cheese? And Dr. Johnson was also a physician. He's passed away now, unfortunately. But that book was very important in my life when I was making a career change. And um, that sort of set me on the path of personal discovery and personal development. And as I said, after almost 20 years of study, I wrote Make Your Own Damn Cheese to add what I felt I had to um, 
give back and, and share with the public on that subject. So here we are. Yeah. And one of the things I always talk about, even though the podcast maybe focuses on weight loss, is it's not just about weight. It's about also what I call the invisible weight, the stuff that goes on in your head, making changes in your life to, to better yourself, which usually makes a change in the types of foods that you eat and things like that. But uh, today, what I wanted to focus on as we're recording this, it's we are in the middle of a actually a global crisis with the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. And I wanted to just kind of talk to you today about how we, those of us that are in quarantine, which is most of the world, what we can do to, to be better, to not fall into maybe, you know, where we're using food to cope with our anxieties and, you know, we're out of schedules and, you know, kids are out of school and there's just a lot that people are dealing with losing their jobs. Don't know if they're going to have a job. Where how are we going to pay the bills? It's a, it's a it's like a lot at one time. So um, I, we we kind of have a few topics we'd like to talk to all of you about, just to give you some you know to help you through this and let you know you'll be okay, and just to you know something you could even listen to later if you need to to help you through this. And maybe John, we can start with talking about. One of the things is exercise. I've noticed a lot of people are, are trying to now say, well, now, now that I'm not going to work as much, I'd like to exercise, but the gyms are closed. What, what can I do to get moving again? Well, it's an excellent question. It's obviously a very important aspect of weight management, uh, fitness, overall health, and a way to cope with this COVID-19 crisis, which is occurring right now. As you know, Gwen, in my book, Make Your Own Damn Cheese, the essence of the book is, is to talk about the power of the human mind. And I believe personally that in every aspect of our life, and our lives are complicated, uh, the human being is a very complicated, sophisticated, intellectually advanced, uh, socially advanced creature. And therefore, our lives have many, many components, weight management, health, personal relationships, finances, professional savings, retirement, family, recreation, on and on and on. There, there are innumerable facets to our lives. We're not unidimensional by any, by any means. But I believe that the central component that is common to all of those areas is the mind, is our thinking. And it gets pretty deep. I mean, this is, a, this is a pretty heavy subject, not in the sense that it's dark, but just in the sense that it's kind of profound. I mean, you have to study this stuff and you have to think about this for a while. And as I always tell people, <clears throat> I didn't finish my formal surgical training until I was 33 years old. That's how long it took to become a board certified cardiovascular surgeon. After finishing high school at the age of 18, it took another 15 years of formal training continuously to become a cardiac surgeon. And in that time, all of that formal education, I never really was exposed to the information that I've been studying in the subsequent, subsequent 20 years and this subject of the mind and how important the mind is. When it comes to exercise, for example, and it's going to be applied to any of these areas, and we're going to get into that hopefully today. But let's take exercise as an example. Well, how is the mind related to exercise? Well, everything begins with our thinking. 
the 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 probably the most powerful statement to, to come out of popular psychology in the last 100 to 150 years is we become what we think about yes. those six words we become what we think about and i also like to say we become what we think about most of the time because nobody thinks about the same thing all the time but what do we think about most of the time so if you are not thinking about your good health which someone like yourself is and your listeners are which is a great start but if you're not thinking about your good health then you're likely not thinking about exercise you're likely not thinking about nutrition you're likely not thinking about diet and you're you're not likely not thinking about aerobic training anaerobic training resistance training so the first step in this process of exercise and fitness is the mind and thinking and getting yourself thinking about it most of the time whether it's listening to a great program like yours reading about it online reading about it on magazines discussing it with friends watching those kinds of programs on tv it all begins in our magnificent mind what we think about in the conscious mind will eventually and this is what i discuss in the book in great detail will eventually percolate down through what we call the psychic barrier into the subconscious mind and that thought which exists in the conscious mind once it finds its way down into the subconscious mind what the ancient greeks called the heart your emotional mind then it goes from being a thought to becoming a belief it becomes part of what we call your self-concept you now see yourself as a person who exercises you see yourself as a person who takes good care of their body that is the most critical stage to talk about which exercises to do how often and so on and so forth that's the subject matter for a personal trainer and so on and so forth that's not really why why i'm here today why i'm here today is to help your listeners understand that if you want to find yourself exercising on a regular basis that exercise of the body that physical manifestation of exercise must begin in the conscious mind and you must think about that repetitively over and over and over i'm a person who exercises i enjoy exercise exercise is good for my health exercise will make me fitter exercise will make me stronger exercise will make me happier leaner etc exercise will help my immunity exercise will make me more powerful as we think that way and we start to accept that belief system in the subconscious mind then the body which is the instrument of the mind will begin to behave in such a way habitually that it reflects that thinking and then the ultimate uh step in this process is then the results will reflect the activity so the results always reflect the thinking and you've seen that in your own life yes. with your fabulous weight loss journey that your results are finally a reflection of how you've been thinking most of the time just as when you were very heavy that result was a reflection of how you had been thinking most of the time so wouldn't you agree that the the physical change the physical manifestation is ultimately a result of how you think yes and i think right yeah. now a lot of people since they aren't at work and they have more time now they are able to maybe think about that a little more because that was one of the things i would hear is i don't have time to exercise i don't have time to make a plan i don't have time i don't have time well we have lots of time 
right now but right. also like you said if you keep telling yourself in my mind i don't have time or i can't do that or i need to already be able to do an hour or you know some some type of exercise it just starts in little steps you know even if it's walking 10 minutes like i said i didn't get to exercise in, in an hour the first year i started doing this a few years ago I mean, it took me, like you said, a few years to get to where I could do up to bench press and maybe 20 pounds or something like that, you know, with 20 or 10 pound plates on my, my weight bar. But it does start in your mind. And, and usually when I uh, talk to someone, I would tell them, I'm not, I don't even want to talk about food and exercise yet. I want to know what's going on in your life. What are you thinking of yourself? Because if you don't like yourself right now, you don't think you can exercise or get that in you won't do it later that doesn't go away so that was that was really good like i like how you say we need to start thinking it there was a podcast i listened to years ago and that was their mantra was you need to you need to act like the thinner per- person you want to be or the healthier person absolutely so even though you're not where absolutely. you want to be you need to start thinking that way now absolutely and i think you have and one of the one of the fabulous aspects of being blessed with this magnificent mind that we have is this capacity for imagination. Imagination is one of the higher faculties of of the conscious mind. And as a part of imagination, we've been blessed with this very visual kind of thinking process. We're visual creatures. We have, we possess what's called the mind's eye. And we can, when we think, and focus and concentrate, we can actually conjure up images of how we would like to look, how we would like to appear, what we see ourselves doing. You can see yourself walking around the block before you actually walk around the block. And this power that we've been blessed with of visualization is one of the most powerful exercises that people use in all aspects of life. And as you know, Gwen, very common in world-class athletes, this process of visualization, seeing yourself running and jumping over the hurdles long before you're actually doing it. And one thing I wanted to mention that you touched on was that you were talk- what triggered it for me was when you talked about getting to the point where you can bench press 20 pounds. This is perfect. No one can begin by bench pressing 200 pounds. So one of my mentors said, when it comes to fitness and exercise, so nutrition and exercise, he said, where I'd like you to begin, if you're a real beginner, is by adding, not modifying your diet in any way, not modifying your nutrition in any way, except for one thing. I'd like you to add an apple a day to what you're eating, because an apple is you know, a good thing. It's high fiber, right? It has nutrients, micronutrients, minerals, vitamins, etc. So begin by adding an apple a day to your diet and take a walk around the block, right? And most people would say, well, what is an apple a day and a walk around the block really going to do for me? But again, when you go back to the mind and the thinking, it's very, very important. And what my mentor used to say is, If you're not going to start there, if you don't start with an apple a day and a walk around the block, where else would you start? Could you start with a 200-pound bench press? Could you start with a marathon? Could you start with a 5K? Most of us couldn't. So that's the other part of the message. Be compassionate with yourself. Be patient with yourself, right? Start with, as we say, baby steps. 
imagine yourself not first winning a gold medal in the 100-yard dash. First, imagine yourself actually eating an apple, an unprocessed natural food that looks the way it appears in nature. Eat Eat an apple and just take a walk around the block. That's a perfect way to start, not only physically, but mentally. And then once that becomes part of your habitual routine, then you can envision the next step in that process and the next step. Well, I think a lot of people are, we, I feel like we've been programmed to think if you're not at that level that which you see the person at, then if I can't do what they can do right now, then I, I might as well not even try. And that's where Correct. I try to remind everyone, this is where I started. I didn't get here or even, what was it, two and a half years ago when I was in the hospital, I was diagnosed with lupus. I had to start all over again. My muscles were were just gone, and my my you know I, my overall health had deteriorated because not just lupus, but I had other health issues I was trying to take care of. So it took me a good year and a half just to get at the basics again. And but because of the foundation I had before, you know, within two years I was back to pretty much where I was with my food and it. That's the thing. It was a, a habit change. I had already knew what to do in my mind. I already had the foundation in place. It was just now just tweaking a little bit for where I was in my life. Uh, something else I wanted to talk about during this time is I was telling you before we started about how a lot of my friends are talking about they're just wanting to eat all the time right now. And I call that eating your emotions. We've talked about that a little bit, but especially right now with the stress level that a lot of people are under, I, I think it's it's even worse because I've even had to watch that really close lately. I noticed when I was looking at my food journal, it's like, why are you eating these foods? You need to back off or figure out what it is. And part of it was as I watched the news, I'm, I was getting worried and, and scared and what's going to happen. And so I had to make some changes, well, even with the food, because one of the things that I think you agree with is if you eat certain types of food, your body will not react well. Uh, you know, a lot of the comfort foods we eat have a lot of sugar. They're overly processed uh, right now. You know, I, I think a lot of people were probably buying uh, foods that are comfort, you know, potato chips, the cookies, partly because they're cheap, but probably because that's what you want to eat when you're stressed. I, I wanted to ask you, and it probably goes back to the mind also too. Of what, what would you recommend for people that are like, all I, all I'm doing is snacking all day. I'm now I'm baking all these goodies, and but now I have to eat all of them so that they don't go bad. What kind of advice would you give to people that are, are maybe in that situation where they are using food to deal with the current situation? Right. Well, I, I think this is an excellent question, and I'm going to sort of take a little bit of a deep dive on this with you again, from a psychological point of view and, and emotional point of view, one of the things that I've studied over the years is called, one way of, of describing it is, we call it the law of opposites. And the law of opposites is the law of the, is a, is a very powerful law of the universe. And we see it in physics. Where, uh, Newton said, for example, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Okay, it can be called the, co- the law of cause and effect. Yes. For every cause, there's an effect. And what's fascinating is that these things are in equal proportion all the time. And you see it everywhere. I mean, it's in everything, okay? For every up, there's a down. For every left, there's a right. For every in, there's an out. For every top, there's a bottom. For every sunrise, there's a sunset. For every summer, there's a winter. There is nothing that doesn't have an equal and opposite reaction. It's what the 
the Asian philosophy, the ancient Asian philosophies and cultures referred to as the yin and the yang, okay? The, the world being in perfect balance. Now, in this very terrible time of COVID-19 that we're seeing globally, in this very, very horrific time, one thing that we know that we have to remind ourselves of is that there will be an equal amount, exactly equal, proportionately equal amount of good that comes from this, from this process. When, how, where, I can't say exactly right now, although I do think we're seeing some of that. We're seeing families coming together in the home. We're seeing friends, communities, nations come together in a global effort to fight this viral disease. We're seeing the atmosphere apparently is clearing yeah. up from pollution. I've heard that. Uh, right? We're, we're seeing more people with more resources take an interest in virology and infectious disease and people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and so forth who apparently are going to put a lot of their time, energy, and effort in the future into helping science fight this disease. So in all of this badness that we're seeing right now, there will be a lot of goodness coming out. Even kind of one of the funny things, it, but we probably will see it, they're saying for all of the people, unfortunately, who are going to pass away from this terrible disease, with everybody staying at home and the quarantine and everything else, we're probably going to see a baby boom in 10 months. I've heard that. And we're going to see lots and lots of new life coming into the world, you know? So, so it's fascinating how nature finds a way to balance itself. Now, to your point about diet and nutrition and comfort food, well, this is again where we go back to taking control of our mind. Here's, here's a deep idea that many people are not familiar with. I certainly wasn't familiar with it after, you know, 33 years of formal education and becoming a physician. The deep idea is that, number one, your brain is not your mind. Your brain is a three-pound organ that resides in your head and your skull, just like you have a heart and kidneys and a liver. It's an organ. It's a physical object. Your, your brain is not your mind. Your mind is not an organ. Your mind is not limited to your skull. It's not limited to your head. Your mind is an activity. It's best to think of your mind as an activity. And number two, you are not your mind. Lots of times we, we associate who we are with our mind. We think, well, that's me thinking, that's you know me. In fact, our mind is something that we are in possession of, just as I'm in possession of my hand, and I can elect to open and close my hand by directing my brain to send signals to my peripheral nervous system and then to my muscles and my skeleton, I possess a hand. I am not my hand, this is my hand. So I have a mind the same way. And as I can control my hand, I can control my mind. So this terrible situation that we're in that leaves most of us at home for long stretches of time like never before, gives us a unique opportunity to begin to take control of our mind. When we take control of our mind, we take control of our life. When we take control of our mind, we take control of our thinking, our behavior, and our results. So this is a time where things like meditation are very powerful, where we take time out every day and we say, 
I'm not going to eat chocolate chip cookies during this period of time. This is a very special time with all the bad that's happening. What a great opportunity for me to be home and have all day to plan my meals, to decide very carefully what I'm going to eat, to decide what I'm going to put in the refrigerator, to decide what I'm going to put in my mouth. For once, I can slow things down, really take control of my mind, really dictate to my mind how I'm going to think about my nutrition and my dietary intake, and then let those repetitive thoughts about whole foods, foods that look the way they appear in nature, they haven't been processed. We have a real a real sweet potato. We have a real head of broccoli. We have a real apple. Something that looks the way it appeared in nature. Those are the kinds of foods that I want to eat. Things that are filled with nutrients and micronutrients and vitamins and minerals. And the more that I think about that and meditate on that and read about that and go online and watch videos about that and inundate my conscious mind with those positive messages, then those ideas will percolate into my subconscious mind, become my belief system, define my self-concept of how I eat, what my nutrition looks like, and then my body, the instrument of the mind, will begin to habitually behave in accordance with my belief system. And then my actions, my eating will reflect that, and in a period of time, my physical body will reflect that thinking too. So the law of opposites, right now, something very bad is happening in the world, but simultaneously, a lot of very good things are happening in equal measure, the yin and the yang, the law of opposites, cause and effect. So right now, I'm cooped up at home, I have all this time, I'd really like to get back to work, I'd really like to go out and earn a living, I'd really like to get back to my old life, but since I can't for right now, the law of opposites says, during this time, going to take control of my thinking, going to take control of my mind, going to change my ideas about nutrition, going to learn something more about nutrition, going to think about that a lot, going to change my behavior, going to change my result, going to make myself healthier, stronger, fitter, leaner, more resistant to this terrible disease that's occurring right now. These, these two forces are always in balance with one another. If we're aware of it, if we understand how the process works, and if we take advantage of, of this opportunity to really do some more thinking and put ourselves in a position of power and control. You're right. And that's that's kind of where the title of the podcast came from. You're losing the weight to take control and what, taking control of your food. Like you said, getting foods that give you more nutrition. This is an opportunity for people to maybe try cooking if they've never done that before or to even buy fruits that maybe let's just try it and see how it is and you might notice you actually like that one of the things I actually like to do now is snack on broccoli I like raw broccoli I'll wash it and that's what I like to eat put a little seasoning on it and that was something if you told me years ago I would eat that I would have said no I'm not I don't like broccoli because I looked at as that's a healthy food I don't like healthy foods and that's where you you start that in your mind Isn't that fascinating that someone would think that way about themselves? I don't like healthy foods. I mean, it's such a it's such an incredible thing that that someone would think that way. But many of us have thought that way. And it's this is an opportunity 
to recognize that kind of thinking, acknowledge it, and say, hey, I'm in a position, I, I have the power, I have the ability to change that to, why don't I try broccoli? I don't have to, I don't have to eat large amounts yes. of it to begin with, maybe just a little bit, just like a walk around the block and an apple a day, just a little bit, baby steps to start trying things that, they, that you read about or you see that are better for your body, more nutritious for your body. Yes. One of the things, I think I may have shared this with you last time, Gwen, but one of my professors once said something very, very telling in a lecture, which I thought was great. He said, Americans tend to be overfed and undernourished. Yeah, I've heard that before. Right? And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. So I think this is an opportunity for us to get not so much overfed and undernourished, but well-nourished and properly fed. So it's a period of time where we need to be home. Why don't we focus our minds on getting well-nourished? Because we know that that good nourishment is good for our body's immune system, our strength, our defenses against disease, and so on and so forth. Let's get nourished. And as you know very well from your experience, when you start eating whole foods, that are high in fiber, high in volume, low in calorie, high in nutritional value, you can actually eat, in many cases, more than ever before. It doesn't mean that you have to be uh, walking around hungry, yes. because whole foods are, are voluminous, fibrous, and they have a lot of those you know, uh, great uh, characteristics that allow us to eat a lot more, but still take l many less calories and a lot more nutrition. And that's a message that I, I try to reiterate, and I think we did talk about that last time, but it's one that many of us need to be reminded of. When you eat whole foods, you really, it seems like when I started doing that, I really didn't need that much. I would get full quicker. I felt better. One of the reasons why I finally made the switch, so to speak, was when I would go back to work after lunch, I wasn't as sleepy at my desk. Uh, usually if I had a huge carb carbohydrate meal, I'd go back to my desk and I was ready to fall asleep within 20 minutes of being back at my desk. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. I need to change it up. And that's what, for me, made the switch when I realized how much that affected my body, the, the food that I ate. And even right now, you know, even though you're at home and you can probably take a nap whenever you want to, I don't think that's how you want want to feel all day is sluggish and and just watching it's okay to watch Netflix all day but I don't think you want to just sit on the sofa all day and that kind of brings me to where I wanted to talk about uh, schedule that was one of the things for me years ago and even now staying on the schedule even on the weekends when I don't have to work helps me to feel better and I think everybody's out of a schedule right now because parents are having to homeschool so they're trying to tackle that and then if they do have a lot of time it's kind of People don't tend to schedule themselves when they think, oh, I have all day to complete something. And then at the end of the day, they're like, what did I do? I didn't get anything done that was on my list. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how keeping a schedule even during this time? I mean, that goes into the mind, too. Your mind gets out of schedule, and then it doesn't seem to know what to do. At least that's what happens to me. I get off my schedule, and I have a very hard time getting back into some type of routine because my mind just it, it I don't know it just can't get back to it as quick as I'd like it to so what's your yeah. thoughts on that on keeping the schedule during this time well again as a as a surgeon um, I've lived a very <laughs> scheduled regimented life for for decades now 
Um, and I find it obviously very, very fruitful and useful. And I think that you can be most efficient and most productive when you follow a schedule. Now, not everybody needs a schedule. I mean, I think that there are a few exceptions to that rule. But I think, generally speaking, the vast majority of us do do better when we're on a schedule. And I think one of the simple ways, because, you know, scheduling can be burden burdensome. It can feel oppressive to people. I'm going to sit down with a calendar and then I'm going to look at the times of the day and I'm going to try to pencil things in all day. So a lot of people get turned off to that idea of scheduling, but I think a simple way and motivational way of scheduling is really to go back to the technique of goal setting. And before we go to bed each night, I think one of the simplest ways I've ever seen this done and most effective ways is you just write down on a piece of paper, just a list of six items, no more than six, no more than six, six things that I'd like to get done tomorrow. Okay. Now, one of them may be as simple as, let's get up by 9 a.m. A lot of people I know are now sleeping in until 10, 11 o'clock. Probably not a great idea. But 8 a.m., 7 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever that time is for you. But that's one goal to have on your schedule, and that gets the schedule started. What time am I going to get? Am I going to get to, you know, get up and get the day started? Now, a very simple thing that follows in suit with that is, right? What time am I going to go to bed? So if I'm going to get up at 8 a.m., let me go to bed by 10 p.m., for example. Now, if you go to bed at 10 p.m. and you get up at 8 a.m., you're getting 10 hours sleep. That's a lot of sleep. That's adequate. I mean, that's more than adequate. That's fantastic. So now we already have in our schedule that you're talking about two items, numbers one and number six. What time do we get up and what time do we go to bed? Now we only have to fill in four items in between. Now, if these are health-related items, okay, let's decide that at some point we're going to meditate for 15 minutes, meditate on what, you know, some of the tips that Gwen and, and, and uh, John Schubach were giving on, on the podcast, thinking about exercise, thinking about nutrition. So 15 minutes, let's say, of, of meditation time, all right? Now if, you're, now, if you're a beginner, you might only be able to do five minutes. Yeah. If you're more advanced than that, you might be ready for 30 minutes or, or, or 40 minutes, okay? That's, you put that in, meditation. Now, we're going to put exercise on our list. Now, that might be a walk around the block. It might be a video that you do. It might be running on the treadmill. It might be running outside. Wherever you are in your level of fitness, it might be a, a resistance workout, but you're going to put your exercise in there for, let's say, anywhere between 15 minutes and let's say an hour and a half or two hours depending on the individual okay so now that's we have meditation we have exercise now we have meals so we say in the morning or at whatever time i'm going to plan my three meals for the day and we're going to try to make those nutritious meals and number four in there of those four remaining items i'm going to study i'm going to study diet nutrition, exercise. I'm going to listen to Gwen's podcast. I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to look up some recipes. I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to look up some some simple calisthenic workouts I could do at home without any equipment whatsoever if necessary. And there we have the full day. What time do we get up? What time do we go to bed? Meditation time, exercise time, 
study time, and meal planning and preparation time. Now we have six goals for tomorrow. We have a full, we have a full schedule. I, I like how you broke that down. I guess as I was listening to you, I didn't realize that's what I actually do. I have certain things like, okay, these four things have to be done today. Everything else, I don't care. It will get done whenever it gets done. But these four things right. are my non-negotiables. And I've done that in other parts of my life too because I always get asked, how do you do everything you do? Well, I prioritize. You know, It's on the list, but that doesn't mean it's going to get done today. It might get done in a right. week or you know, it might even be next month. Uh, when I started my podcast, it took me a good – I think six months of planning before episode number one even came out. So it wasn't just, a, oh, I want to start a podcast next week. It was one of those things. It's on the list, but it's not going to get done really fast. But I like also right. how you, you used even just waking up and what am I going to eat today? I always schedule time to do that. Okay, what recipes am I going to cook? Today is my meal prep day. Uh, what am I going to eat next week? What exercises do I want to do? And I think that actually reduces the amount of stress. Because that's two things I don't have to think about. I don't have to think about what am I going to cook. I don't have to think about, okay, what exercise am I going to do today? Is it upper body, lower body? Am I going to do cardio? It's already figured out. So that, I think, would even help people during this time with reducing the stress level. They figure that out, and now they can concentrate on other things. If it is they have kids, they have to help with homework. Or maybe they, they're working from home now, and you know, they have to try and figure out how to fit that into their schedule. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a little bit more credit than you're giving your, yourself there, because I know what you're saying, but I'm going to point out a, what, what I see as a sort of incongruity in what you're saying. I'm not saying you're wrong, because you're not wrong, but you're saying, or what you said was, then I don't have to think about what I'm going to eat. Then I don't have to think about what I'm going to do. But in fact, you have already <laughs> thought about it. Yeah. That's why you don't have to think about it again. That's why you're not confused. That's why you're not aimless. That's the why you're not, as they say, as we say in this in this material, this self-development material, you are, as you say in the title of your podcast, you are in control of your life. You have, by doing that thinking and planning and preparation up front, you know what you've done is you've added a rudder and a sail and a motor to your, to your life's boat, as opposed to the other person, many of whom are out there in the middle of the sea with no rudder and no sail and no engine and no map and no compass, and they're just floating. They're just adrift. They're just being pushed around in this, in this endless body of water that goes on and on as far as the eye can see in every direction, and they wonder, how am I ever going to get anywhere? Now, I guess it's possible that the tide could, by accident, bring you into some fantastic port safely. But the reality is that most people who live life like that are much more likely to wind up on the rock someplace. Yeah. And, and so what you're doing by planning your day that way is you're taking control of the boat. You are, you're, you're, taking, you're, you're directing the sail. And you're choosing a direction and a destination and you're on a voyage and you're on a journey that has meaning and that has, has a definition. But once you've charted the course, then you don't have to do it again at the time when it happens, right? You can't get up at nine and then write down, I'm going to get up at eight. Yeah. 
it's too late. <laughs> you have to make that plan first. And as they say, you know, every every great ship's captain, if you go to him in the port and you say, Captain, you know, where are you going? And he says, okay, we're going to the Bahamas from Miami. N no good captain would say, I have no idea. <laughs> Never thought of it that way, but right. you're right. Right. You know, or, or even if you, if you come upon a bricklayer, you're, right, you're walking down the sidewalk and there's a guy there laying bricks. You say, what are you building? He says, I have no idea. <laughs> Just laying these bricks on top of each other. You say, you must have some idea. No, I have no idea. Maybe something will come of it. I don't know. I'm just laying the bricks, right? I'm just going to head out to sea. No, every mason knows exactly how high, wide, and long the wall is going to be. Every ship captain knows that we're leaving tomorrow at X time, weather permitting, and we're going to head out on a course on this trajectory. And when we get this far, we're going to follow, you know, the compass and the GPS and the sun and the moon and the stars. And we're going to go that way at this many knots and so forth. And then at Two o'clock tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be in Nassau, Bahamas. It's not a mystery. You got to your destination so, because you had you had the plan. You plotted the course. Yeah. You plotted the course. So this is this is all it takes. Six items can give you a lot of structure, especially as a beginner. As a beginner, six items is more than enough. When do I get up? When do I go to bed? When do I meditate? When do I study? What am I going to eat? What am I going to exercise? As you get more advanced, you can start filling that in breakfast is at, if I get up at 8 and I wash, breakfast is at 8.45. This is what I'm going to have for breakfast. Then I do my meditation. Then I work on work that I have to do for the office remotely. Then it's lunch, and lunch is going to be this, and I'm going to prepare part of that tonight. That, now suddenly there are these people who you know very well, and it sounds like you may be one of them, that you have 25 items on that list and the whole day is just bang, 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 bang in 15 or 30 minute increments. And by the time you get to item 25, it's time to hit the sack. Yeah. But the thing is, and you it don't have to do up to that. anything yeah. to that. Of course. Like, like the person who runs 5Ks or 10Ks or marathons, they didn't start with a 5K in most cases. I mean, there, there are a few exceptions to every rule, but the vast majority of us, if we want to run a mile, you got to first w do 100 yards, then do a 400, and one lap around the track, and you know, huffing and puffing, and, and build your stamina. But if not with an apple a day and a walk around the block, where else would you start? If not with six simple items to get your day structured and build a, a schedule for yourself daily, weekly, monthly, where else would you start? You, you got to start with baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, and, that's and, and then you build on them. And that's what I'm hoping a lot of people are doing right now. I've been trying to post on social media a little bit about that. Like, hey, take this time to sit there and think about your life. What, what is it you want to do? How can you change it? Because I'm sure when we get back to whatever normal is going to be, you, you might have more time so you can maybe fit exercise in. You can try to do your food prep a little more it's some like you said for every positive there's a negative and i'm thinking that's one of the positives i'm trying to help people to see about this time is yeah you're stuck at home but use that time to look at your life and build your plan get your foundation going and another thing uh, i wanted to kind of mention too i always try to tell people that you need a plan that's going to be able to change with your life a lot of my friends like to go to the gym. Of course, we talked about the gyms are closed. And so I've had a lot of questions. What kind of home workouts can I do? It's like, let me tell you, because that was part of my plan. If I couldn't get out and do something, okay, I have to do something at home. 
So that's one of the things that uh, I think as as this comes up, a lot of people are going to start trying to have plans that are a little more flexible for their lives and even mm-hmm. schedules that are a little more flexible. So that'll be a positive, I think, that'll come from all of this. One thing we talked about before we started recording was uh, talking about drinking alcohol. Now, I'm not against if somebody wants to drink alcohol. I personally don't. But how that could even affect you during this time of quarantine. Um, I know it kind of, to me, falls within the food range, but specifically you said you had some items you wanted to let our listeners know about how alcohol affects you, especially when we're going through something like this, how it can maybe impact you with anxiety or, or depression and things like that. Well, I, I think that's a great point. I, You know, again, I'm not against alcohol uh, either. Um, you know, I and, and I, I do drink alcohol socially. But I think that it's a it's an area that you have to be very cautious about in general, but you have to be cautious under circumstances like this, particularly why? Because number one, many people don't have to get up for work in the morning. So they figure, well, if I drink every night, eh, what does it, what difference does it matter? I, I don't have any place to go in the morning uh, per se. I could sleep in a bit if I want. but as you know, alcohol is habit forming. It can it can be addictive. It does have you know potentially deleterious medical and physical effects on the body if used you know in excess certainly. And the other thing is it it can lead to a lot of negative behaviors. It can lead to uh, laziness and a lack of motivation. It can lead to disinhibition in terms of eating. Uh, excessively and making poor food choices, it in and of itself generally packs on a significant amount of calories in itself. Alcohol by itself, ethyl alcohol, is actually very high in calories. It's seven calories per gram as compared to nine calories per gram for fat. So it's only second to fat in terms of calories per gram. So it is caloric. It is demotivating, I think, and it is disinhibiting, so you can wind up packing on a lot of other calories, and it's also a depressant. So in a period of time when people are dealing with a lot of, you know, difficult emotions right now and psychological pressures and forces with this COVID-19 problem that we have, you're already in a negative vibration, as I like to say, your body and mind are in a negative vibration. I go into that in, in, in the book, Make Your Own Damn Cheese, about how the body can go into a negative or positive vibration. People are trying to self-medicate many times with the alcohol to bring them up to give themselves a temporary high and relief and release from that tension and anxiety. And generally speaking, it's effective in the short term. But the next day, you may feel down, you may feel depressed, you may have more anxiety than normal. And over the course of time, of course, those kinds of feelings can build up. So alcohol has to be used very cautiously and in moderation. I know when people first went into quarantine, there was a lot of uh, sort of virtual cocktail parties going on and people gathering, which is, which, is, which is fine. I mean, you know, it's a way of blowing off steam and dealing with a new situation and, you know, coping with the stress. But we don't want that to become habitual and chronic. We'd prefer to replace that kind of behavior and routine with meditation, better sleep, more exercise, 
and so on and so forth. Healthy, healthy habits to replace that. But it's, it's good that you brought that up because I think it's something we have to just be very cautious about. And we also want the body to be as strong and healthy and physically fit as it can be if God forbid, God forbid, 10,000 times God forbid, you should become infected with the COVID-19 virus. You want your immune system and all of your body's organ systems and so forth as fit, powerful and capable as possible to fight and put up a good defense and eradicate that virus from your system rather than weakening your your uh, systems by unhealthy behaviors. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up about strengthening your immune system. Uh, like I said, one of the things I have several autoimmune diseases, so I really watch what I eat and things like that because I notice how it affects my body and I can get sick really easily. But one thing I wanted to talk about was sleep. I've kind of talked about it in past episodes when I've done one-on-one about how important it is to get your rest. And I don't just say, you know, make sure you get eight or 10 hours. Like, is it restful sleep? Or are you tossing and turning all night? When you wake up, do you feel rested? And I think if your body is not rested, even though you're getting several hours of sleep, that might make you more, does that make you more susceptible to getting sick i find for me i do usually that's when i get a cold or i've gotten the flu is when my body is just worn out it's telling me no more but i haven't been sleeping very well and right now like i said people can take a nap whenever they want to if they want to or they're probably staying up all hours you know till midnight and maybe getting up later but i mean it's i don't think it's probably really restful sleep you know what's your opinion about people trying to maybe staying on a pat or a schedule, not necessarily a schedule, but making sure their rest that they get is proper rest to help them with fighting. If like you said, God forbid they happen to get this. Yeah. I think all of these ideas that we're talking about go hand in hand. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Sleep is incredibly essential for normal, uh, psychological, emotional, and physical function. Uh, we know that. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. And I still, I mean, there's some debate over this, but I'm still a believer in a good period of sleep, seven to eight hours. I know there are a lot of people who function on much less sleep. I certainly have spent many years of my life functioning on much less sleep than that. There were many, many days and nights that I went uh, two and even three days without any sleep, but it's not something I would recommend from a health uh, point of view. My father was an obstetrician, so he had a lot of sleepless nights in his life as well. But it's certainly, as a physician, not something I would recommend. Seven to eight hours of sleep, I think, is ideal. Anything less or more is probably getting, you know, a little bit excessive either way. But I think seven to eight hours of good sleep should be a goal. And to your point, Gwen, which is an excellent one, the quality of that sleep is very, very important. So how do we improve the quality of that sleep? I think that there are a couple of a couple of things that are important. In order to sleep well, the mind must be quiet yes. and peaceful and serene. And, you know, for people who are new to meditation, which I'm a very, very big proponent of meditation, one very, very simple way to start meditation can be done prior to sleep. Because one of the, one of the caveats to meditation, one of the sort of things that people get tripped up on is that if someone tries to meditate during the day, frequently they'll fall asleep, which you're not supposed to fall asleep when you meditate. 
You're supposed to be awake, but with the mind quieted. But if your goal is to get good sleep, it's a good time to begin practicing the process and skill and technique of meditation. Because if you do fall asleep, in, those, in that circumstance, it's okay. But one of the very simple exercises for meditation that I like, for a beginner especially, is to just envision, envision your mind as a body of water, like a lake or a bay, something smooth. And in your mind, repeatedly try to see that image, try to visualize the body of water and the surface of the water, and in your mind, taking control of your mind, making the surface of the water smoother and smoother and more still and more still and more calm and more serene and more placid and perfectly still, perfectly flat. And have that vision and have that thought. And that's such a nice way of taking control of the mind and quieting the mind and seeing the mind as this body of water. And that's a very calming, relaxing exercise prior to sleep. So I think that's a great, a great thing to do. And then the other thing is, there are some really easy tips. One is, I think alcohol is terrible for sleep, especially as we get older. Most of us, when we were younger, if you went out, you had a night on the town, you had you know a couple too many, whatever, you, 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 you slept like a baby, you got up at one o'clock like young people do. But as we get older, we find, generally speaking, we find that when we drink, we don't sleep quite as well. We toss and turn, the mind starts to go over problems that we have in life, how are we gonna pay the bills, what am I gonna do now that I'm out of work? And it actually becomes very unrestful sleep. So I would avoid alcohol again in that circumstance. The other thing I would avoid is caffeine, Yeah. right? I think caffeine is a stimulant that disturbs sleep. So if you're going to use caffeine, make there be a cutoff time in the day, maybe before 12 noon. And keep in mind, it's not just coffee that has caffeine. Many teas, regular teas have high amounts of caffeine. And of course, soft drinks, if you're drinking Diet Coke and things like that, many are, are caffeinated and lots of people go through a lot of diet coke i know you and i are not big fans of diet coke in terms of nutrition and and so forth so i would avoid avoid that as a stimulant and then the the last tip i would give on this area is that exercise is wonderful for sleep the more you exercise the more you use the body the more you you know have a physical uh, exertion through the day whether it's uh, aerobic you know, cardiovascular and or resistance training, when it's time for bed, the body physically will be tired and need sleep. And you're more likely to get a, a good night's solid sleep if you've if you've used and exerted the body physically during the day. So those those are a couple, you know, several tips that I think would be helpful for people. No, I think those are, are spot on. Those are all things I've learned over the years. So we're going to uh, go ahead and wrap this up. I mean, we've, we've been talking for almost, I think it's almost been an hour, but everything you said I think will be helpful to anyone that listens, even if it's not during this time, you know, in years from now, everything that we talked about is our items we should be practicing at any time in our life because, like I said, life changes. You might start a family, your kids are leaving home, or if you start a new job, 
things like that. You have to be able to adjust your life. And all of these areas are, are what I call the foundation of what you would need to look at to make sure that you're going to be successful in that part of your life. So before we sign off, you know, John, do you want to let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you, where they can get your book from, they want to contact you, your website, or any of those items? Sure. They, they can find the book at Amazon.com. It's called Make Your Own Damn Cheese. It's also available in Barnes & Noble, the brick-and-mortar stores, and on their website. Um, also available in, I think, a couple thousand Rite Aid pharmacies around the country in their book section. And... Um, on uh, Instagram, I'm at John Chuback MD, John Chuback MD. And um, you can also find me at ChubackEducation.com, which is the education company where we do have an audio program on weight loss and uh, smoking cessation and some other great programs there. Um, and for anybody interested in my medical practice, they can find us at ChubackMedical.com. And I'll be sure to put all of that in the show notes so they can get a hold of you and find you if they'd like to. So thank you again for being on the podcast and I'm sure we'll have you back again. Gwen, can I mention one more thing before we sign oh, off? Sure. Do we have just a minute? Sure. The other thing that is so essential in this time is to stay informed, but don't inundate yourself. The psyche is very, very fragile. It's very, uh, maybe fragile is not the right word, but sensitive. So in other words, stay informed in your schedule, put a couple of times a day where you're going to go to the news media, five or 10 minutes, maybe in the morning, five or 10 minutes um, in the afternoon. I wouldn't suggest it at night before bed because I think that can interrupt sleep. But to stay informed in how to protect yourself and what's going on in the world. But do not subject your mind, your precious, magnificent mind, to nonstop, continual information which tends right now to be very negative and repetitive. It's not that valuable. We already know what's happening. We know there's a terrible virus out there. We know it's contagious. We know that it can be deadly, especially in people who are elderly or have medical problems. We know that we need to wash our hands. We know that we need to wear masks, protect ourselves, social distancing. We know what we know. To hear it over and over and over, how many people have gotten sick, how many are infected, how many died, what's the death toll, what's happening in New York, what's happening in Italy, to ceaselessly subject your psyche and your mind to that kind of negativity, I don't think will be help, helpful, healthy, or productive right now. And it's not going to help you with your sleep and so on and so forth. So please stay informed so you can protect yourself, your friends, and your family. But don't inundate yourself with this, with this negative information because that can, be, that can be quite harmful, I believe. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. Thank you again for being on the podcast. Thanks, Gwen. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. I'm not a medical professional. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before beginning any weight loss or exercise program.